Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of the Sports Boom. Today, we will be discussing our thoughts on the NCAA tournament and our reactions after watching the final four games and the championship game. My name is Jason Yormack, alongside co-host Jack Collins and special guest Justin Hazen. Hi, Jason, and thanks again for having me on this podcast. I'm really excited to share my views and hear yours about this year's crazy bracket. And also, I would like to hear your thoughts on some of my favorite games. Thanks for being here today, Justin. Um, last episode, we missed our co-host Jack Collins on the latest episode where we discussed the NHL playoffs as we welcome him back. How's it going, Jack? I'm doing well, Jason. I can't wait to uh, break down how this March Madness went, especially the latter half with a bunch of upsets happening. Thanks, Jack. Um, so in this episode, we will be going over a bunch of games that we thought was our favorite. So we, we picked out a bunch of games. So I'm going to start with you, Justin, with our first game that I picked out in the round of 64. We have Murray State. John Morant showed up in this game. Can I hear your thoughts on this game? Um, You know what? By watching this guy play throughout the season, you really, you know, could take in his skill. Um, from him playing in a not a top conference really made people not fully take in that he's this good of a player. But watching him dominate against Marquette really, like, allowed everyone to know that this guy is a top pick in the draft and he could really take over in some game-time scenarios. Yeah, totally agree on that one. Um, he's he's such a great playmaker. He'll definitely be, be a, a star in the NBA. Going over to Jack, in the round of 32, moving on, just another another shift. Uh, we have the Purdue-Villanova game, which Carson Edwards really showed up in this game, which made him stand out. Jack, what are your thoughts on this game? Uh, it was a complete domination. I thought Purdue, Purdue. was that was going to make the Final Four, and Purdue really started to show it, it and gain steam with this game. Uh, Carson Edwards, as you said in particular, was dominant, 42 points. I mean, that's just insane for any college basketball player. And coming in one of the biggest games of the year, it's insane. And uh, I get Villanova, you know, they weren't the same team they were when they won the national championship last year. But they still are. They're still playing one. Of, uh, they're still a really good team. They're, they were big uh, East champs. They play one of the top conferences in college basketball. This was a statement win for Purdue. I was really excited to see how far they went. Obviously, they came up short with a tough loss to Virginia in the Elite Eight, but still, they showed that they are they were a legitimate team. Yeah, that game was amazing. We'll get to that later on, the Virginia-Purdue game. But first, I wanted to talk about the Virginia Gardner-Webb game. And I thought, in particular, that game started off close and had a lot of people worry about Virginia in the beginning when they were losing in the first half. But they kind of picked it up in the second half and ultimately won that game and wound up winning the whole tournament, which kind of surprised people after what they did the whole tournament. Um, so moving on, uh, talking about our next game, let's go back to Justin. Um, Auburn against North Carolina in the, in the Elite Eight. This game oh, – I'm sorry, the Sweet 16. This game really stuck out to me because uh, – the number one seed just went down to an Auburn team who could really shoot the threes. 
Justin, do you have any? Uh, do you have a take on this game? Uh, yeah. So I mean, UNC was a big favorite going into the whole tournament, and um, a lot of people had them going to the championship game. And for them to go out to a five seed was was a really big upset, and it really didn't look like they were a five seed during that game. They hit consistently three after three after three, and UNC just didn't have an answer. Uh, I think it looked like boys among men. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying there. Um, so, Jack, going going to you, uh, another one seed going down was Duke against Michigan State. Uh, this game in particular was a great matchup between the one and the two. Um, do you have – your opinion on this game, uh, how it went? Yeah, Jay. So, for me, this was probably the biggest, even though, obviously, the ceiling was the line, this is for me, was the biggest upset of the tournament. I think Duke, going into the tournament with three NBA caliber players in Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, and Cam Reddish, they were the he- heavy favorites to uh, win the whole tournament. I thought they were at least a lock to go to the Final Four. But this showed me how good Tom Izzo is is as a coach because it just showed in this game. I mean, 68-67, you can't get much closer than that. I, I thought they did a really good job uh, in shutting down Duke's key players, in particular um, Cam Reddish, who only went two for eight from the field despite the fact playing 37 minutes. And uh, Michigan State played a balanced game, and they really shocked most of college basketball because Duke was probably one of the – even though they had six losses on the season – Duke was one of the most dominant bat, uh, college basketball teams in recent memory. And like I said, they were heavy favorites to uh, win the whole thing. And for Michigan State to come up with a big victory here in the LEA and not even let Duke to go to the Final Four, incredible. And uh, it just shows that college basketball is one of the most predict- unpredictable sports in um, all sports. So, Jack, uh, I just wanted to interrupt on you right there. Back to what you were Probably Duke's most underachieving team that has three or four guys of the NBA draft. So sort of flipping the table. Jason, what are you Sorry, I couldn't hear you. What was it again? Uh, sorry about that. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, Jack, but I just wanted to like, point out that this is one of Duke's most underachieving years. And even though they, they got out early, they still have four or five guys that will declare the draft and go pretty early. What are your views on that? Yeah, this, Duke's a great team. And I thought they were going to win a, most like a lot of people in the making brackets this year. Um, they were one of the, the highest teams predicted to win the whole tournament. And to see them lose in the Elite Eight, not even go to the Final Four, was a big surprise to people. And this Michigan State team is a really good team. No one should undermine them. And Coach Izzo is a great coach. Coach K is also a Hall of Fame coach. And these coaches battled it out. And it was it was very um, exciting to see, especially see an upset like this. Um, Michigan State, yes, they lost in the Final Four. But it was great to see them take down this really good Duke team that everyone thought was going to win the whole thing. Uh, Jack. One more question for you about a big game that I thought was definitely one of my favorites to watch was Taco Fall versus Zion with the Duke-UCF game. Um, watching that game, what are your views on what led them towards you know them losing? Do you think that actually foreshadowed their loss later on? 
Well, yeah, I think UCF really did expose some of the flaws that Duke had. I mean, they were one really close shot away from beating uh, the most talented team in the country. Uh, they forced Duke to shoot the three ball, which Duke really um, did not do well, even though they were 10 to 25 from the uh, three-point arc. It's just they didn't have a flow going, and UCF did everything right. It started with top of fall, like you said, in the middle, uh, dominating the paint area against Duke. And, uh, yes, Duke, Duke did end up winning this game, but Taco did foul out at the end. It was a crazy final two minutes. It could have gone either way. And I think they did lead the path to what would be almost a Virginia Tech scare and then the Michigan State uh, win against Duke. I think UCF did really play a factor, and they finally did show that this Duke team is beatable. And it just shows that if you can lock in on one thing, no matter how talented the team is, if you could force them to do one thing they don't do well, uh, you can beat them. And it shows that UCF or any team in the country can be able to beat a very high team if they have the right, right blueprint. Yeah, it's a great way of putting it. And the last one seed to fall was Gonzaga. Justin, do you have um, anything to say about Texas Tech taking down Gonzaga in the Elite Eight in the West? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I've been watching Texas Tech play probably around this whole starting halfway through the season. I really saw them form from an underachieving team to a top 10 team in the country and going all the way to the Final Four. So... A lot of people had Gonzaga going deep, but I really did think that, that Texas Tech could take this team over with Texas Tech's tenacious defense. I've watched a top-four scoring team in the country, Buffalo, score for 58 points against this Texas Tech team. So I really did see this game coming. I don't know about you. What are your, what are your views on this game, Jack? On the Texas Tech-Gonzaga game? Uh, for me, it was really Texas Tech has been doing this all uh uh, season long and it carried into the uh, tournament was their defense and their defense has been uh, arguably the best in the country all season long. It They have been top to bottom, definitely one of the most underrated teams. I definitely underrated them. Um, I thought I had Gonzaga going to the final four, but again, it goes back to what UCF did against Duke. Any team with the right blueprint can beat a good team and Texas Tech showed that against Gonzaga, and they showed it. I mean, I'm sure we'll be talking about this later on in the champ national championship against uh, Virginia that they match up well. They have the right chemistry, the right coach, and if they just played a little bit better defense on uh, last night, they would have won against uh, Virginia. Now, to you, Jason, what, I know I'm skipping around a bit, but what are your thoughts on the national championship last night? Was it how exciting was that second half? Oh, that that was that was probably the best game of the tournament to watch, if not second best. But the whole tournament itself, um, it, it was great to watch this year, especially Virginia. This Virginia team battled the whole season, especially in the tournament. Uh, getting down to crunch time in the championship game, uh, the 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 team shifted back and forth between taking the lead. And to force an overtime by a miscue on Texas Tech's defensive end, defensive part, um, they left DeAndre Hunter wide open for a three to set it to overtime. And you can't let Virginia go to overtime. They're, they're unstoppable in overtime, as, as seen against Purdue. 
they they really take over in overtime. This is where they they show everyone they're here to play. They're here to win the national championship, and they proved it to a bunch of people um, last night, uh, Monday Monday night. So um, this this also leads me into a segue of scares. And what I mean by scares is I mean a team either losing close to the end, coming back and winning to a to a mediocre team, or even a good team. They come back, they win by a little margin. Every team goes through a scare if they if they advance far enough into the tournament. You see that they wind up with a scare. So to um, so Jack, starting with you on the on the scares, Auburn. Auburn had an early scare against New Mexico State in the round of 64. How do you think this scare impacted them in the rest of the tournament? Well, yeah, Jason. Uh, scares have a major impact on teams. It could either motivate them to do to play up to their abilities and say, okay, take it with a grain of salt and say, okay, what can we do to make sure this doesn't happen again? Or uh, teams think of none of it, and then they get upset in the next round. Auburn did the first option where they used this. They said, okay, we didn't do things up to par this game. What can we do to improve to make sure this doesn't happen again throughout the tournament and to show that we are the team to beat in the tournament? And it, they really started to show this against Kansas, which has been the uh, Big 12 champion each of the last few seasons up to, until this season. And they showed that, okay, even though we – struggled even though we um had a bad first game we put it behind us we worked on stuff uh uh, we didn't turn the ball over i mean the kansas game they only had seven turnovers compared to kansas's 16 uh bruce pearl did an amazing job coaching this team uh motivation was a huge factor a team that uh i didn't i didn't think would make it past kansas uh made it all the way to the final four, some incredible job, Justin. What are your thoughts? What do you think is a big scare that happened that maybe motivated a team to uh, drive them more towards going deep into the tournament? Jack, I couldn't think of a bigger scare than the one Virginia went through against Gardner Webb. That first half must have like given them the fury to go through and win the rest of the tournament. When watching that first half, going into half down by six to a team that they should be dominating. Looked like a repeat, but Tony Bennett must have said something in that locker room that really made the team turn it on for the rest of the uh, rest of the tournament. So while I'm speaking, I have a quick question for Jason. So going back to Texas Tech, their whole run, why do you think that they've been able to get this far in the tournament, beating teams that everyone thinks should have won the whole thing? So they they took down really good teams. Um, Starting off, a nice easy win was against Northern Kentucky. Uh, that kind of led them into the second round against Buffalo. The, it gave them a little challenge in the first half, but they really took over in the second half. And then the, here's where they started to face teams that could have had championship runs like Michigan. Michigan was a well-put-together team um, coming off a win against Florida. But this Michigan team, people said, could have made it to the Final Four. But Texas Tech was right in their alley, and they took them down. And once they took down the number two two seed, they really they really needed to step up their game now because that now they have to face Gonzaga, and Gonzaga, as well as Michigan, also could have made it to the Final Four. And this is where once you take down this one seed to go to the Final Four, team people start looking at you and saying, "Wow, 
this team can do it. Wow, this is a great team. Looking at Texas Tech's defensive unit, it, it's insane. They, they can take down teams like Gonzaga, Michigan, Michigan State. It, it proves to a lot of people they're the real deal. And this year they really show that they are the real deal going to the championship game. Yes, they lost to a very well-put-together Virginia team, but ultimately I give props to this Texas Tech team. The run they made was absolutely great for their program, great for their team, great for their coach and the players, and they should be really proud of themselves. Um, also, on the other side, Virginia. Uh, Jack, this, this Virginia team, it was great. Can you point to your favorite moment from this Virginia team? Well, yeah, I was one of the guys who doubted Virginia. They, they have had this mindset. I mean, this is their first ever national championship, despite the fact they've been a number one seed the last few years. So, for me, it's definitely an eye-opener to the fact that uh, they, they were able to overcome all the, um, the slogans, you know, the, the things said about them that they are a choking team, that they're able. But for me, it actually came in the national championship last night. Uh, despite the fact Texas Tech was on a 10-0 run, they were up 53-43, I was like, here we go again. Virginia is falling back into this mindset of who they were, what they're scared in the first round. I was like, okay, Texas Tech is going to win it. But then they went into a different mode. Virginia, uh, they they won all run. They made sure Texas Tech shot poorly from the field. Uh, Yes, they had to go into overtime for five, but for me, Virginia – uh, finally found a groove. They finally started mm-hmm. to play defense. And it, it was just incredible because mm-hmm. I was expecting a totally different Virginia team heading into the tournament in the national championship game. I was expecting Texas Tech, a really solid defensive team, to beat the, uh, Virginia. And Virginia overcame it. Despite the fact they struggled at times, uh, at times it looked like Texas Tech, especially at the end of the game, would win. But Virginia... Uh, overcame that. Uh, they, they won on a run at the end of the game, and they got their first ever national championship. Uh, Justin, what are your thoughts? What do you think is the biggest moment or game that Virginia had outside the first-round Gardner-Webb game that uh, led them to this national championship? Uh, I know we mentioned it before, but I'm going to go with the UVA-Purdue game. UVA was always looked upon as the worst one seed. And when I found out they were in the Final Four, my first thought was the worst one seed is going to make the Final Four. But that UVA-Purdue game really showed that this team is for real, that they could take down guys like Edwards who cannot miss. When you face a team with guys who are unconscious and you could stop that, that just shows that they're the real deal. So just to ask you guys one more quick question. This is directed to Jason. What are your losers and winners? Uh, th- so there's a lot of losers and winners in, in this game. Uh, 100% a winner, Texas Tech. Uh, they showed a lot of talent in this tournament, and no one thought that they were going to be sitting in the championship game. Uh, n- just no one thought it. If you did, props to you. But this team is definitely a winner in my book. Uh, as well as Virginia, because they showed they won and they proved to people they won. A loser in this tournament, I I have to say Duke. Duke, we expected more from them. We expected at least a Final Four, and they didn't didn't stand up to their ability. Um, Another another loser, I I think the losers are the one seeds that didn't go to the Final Four. I mean, you're a one seed. They expect 
a number one playing style from you. And teams that come out as winners are these teams like um, the these 15 seeds. If, if a 15 seed won, uh, I don't think that happened this year. But even a team like Liberty, uh, 12 seed beating a four seed Virginia Tech, uh, Bradley even even played well with uh, Michigan State. Yes, they didn't win, but it shows to their their basketball program they're a winner. They didn't win the whole thing. No, they didn't make it past the first. They didn't get to the second round, but it shows to their basketball program they're winners. They made the tournament. Some of these teams, 12 and above, they, they barely make the, the tournament, and they're proud to be in the tournament. So they consider themselves winners, and I consider them winners. If you're a team like Belmont, you make you win that uh, first four, and you you go in, you're a winner. Um, now, not everyone thinks of you as a winner, but those are some of my winners and losers. Um, those one seeds that don't make it to the final four, my book. Um, but Virginia and Texas Tech, those are definitely two of the the best teams and the winners. Um, a question for Jack: If you had to, if this tournament just restarted next week. Do you think Virginia and Texas Tech would be in the same position, or do you think, or can you tell me two new teams that you think would be sitting in the national championship game? So, if we uh, restarted this or we uh, did the brackets, I think Texas Tech would definitely be rated higher. I don't know if they'd be in the same. I still think they would go uh, pretty deep into the national championship because of their defense and what they. Uh, leaned on it wasn't like they leaned on bad teams or a uh, bad um region they leaned on uh defense and uh coaching and i don't think that would change although maybe instead of them being a five they would maybe be a three or four and i don't think virginia's position would change because they were already a number one uh i don't know if they were the third or four number one i can't remember exactly but they were a number one I certainly don't think they would have been seated higher than UNC, Gonzaga, or Duke, uh, just because those three teams were, I think, significantly better than the rest of the pack. But I do think that uh, Texas Tech would be rated higher. I do think these two teams would be playing in the national championship because they did play the most consistent ball throughout the tournament. Uh, Virginia maybe had a few more scares than Texas Tech, but Virginia and Texas Tech, I think, would still – uh, play each other. Now, uh, moving on to a new question here on, on the tournament. This tournament was kind of different than previous tournaments in that in previous tournaments, you've had a, a lot of upsets in the first two rounds, but once you get to later on, you know, things started to fall in line. This was a complete opposite where maybe we only had a couple upsets with Murray State, Oregon, and UC Irvine early on, but later on in the tournament, we saw the big guys, uh, Duke, Gonzaga, and, uh, and uh, UNC being knocked out. So, Justin, I want to get your thoughts on this, on that. Uh, how come do you think this tournament was so much different and more special than other tournaments in the fact that the higher seeds got knocked out earlier on, especially one of the most top-heavy tournaments in recent memory? Um, I would say that usually there's always been a couple of one seeds going deep, at least the Elite Eight. Um, I don't usually remember, you know, seeing a lot of one seeds leaving around the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Uh, especially a team like Duke with the uh, amount of achievements these guys will go on to do. Um, but to further up, I have another quick question for you, Jason. It, I know this is a little early. Who do you think will take home the championship next year? It is pretty early to tell um, right now because we still have to hear from guys. 
uh, like Zion and, and all these these great guys see what their plan is in the future. Um, it's really early to tell, but I think Kentucky is a very good chance. They haven't stood out in the past few tournaments. Yes, they they make it pretty far, but they don't they don't seem like a team that everyone picks to win the whole thing. I think that they they could pull it off next year um, with this uh, the new contract um, to the, to the coach. But what I what I also wanted to, to mention was two teams that stood out that not everyone talked about because they, they kind of got knocked out earlier than people expected, and they were talked about a lot during the season, is Tennessee and Kentucky. These teams were, were highly talked about and talked about in a, in a positive way. Uh, Justin, going back to you, Tennessee, Kentucky, both talked about why do you think they got knocked out so so er, much earlier than people thought they would in the tournament? My view on that is because the other team had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. For uh, Kentucky going against Auburn, Auburn had a chip on their shoulder. And for me, they got absolutely robbed when the uh, seeding came out. For a team to win the SEC tournament, beat Tennessee, I mean, what they have done is outrageous. And for them to be a five seed really makes it even more. So I really think that possessed them and made them, you know, fight a little harder. And uh, the other t- and the other team that I would come to mind is Houston. I really think Houston really gave it their all this year, you know, to start the season going from not even in the top 25 to reaching nearly top 10. And for where they've came from, I mean, it's really outrageous going from uh, a mid-to-average American conference team to and then- one of the top team in the country. And then I have uh, one more last wrapping question for both of you. First, we're going to start with Jack, and then I'll move on to Justin. So, so Jack, during the tournament, the refs played a major part in this tournament with these calls. How do you think the refs did in the Final Four and Championship game with Virginia? Well, well I'll, start, I'll go backwards and start with the Championship game. I thought it was definitely one of the better officiated games in our recent memory, especially coming off what was a disaster of a Final Four game. In that, um, that they used utilized replay in the right positions. I don't think there was any like a lot of fifty fifty calls that could have gone either way. I think the refs got them one hundred percent right. I know at the end of the game there was a lot of controversy under two minutes whether Texas Tech was going to get the ball. They weren't. I feel like they made the right call. The hand was clearly touching the basketball of Texas Tech right before the ball went out of bounds. So I thought the officials did a really good job in the national championship right I, now. I Saturday. disagree with you on that one, Jack. I'm starting to interrupt. But when watching the game, a very big controversy call, when Guy came through and tripped and they called that a foul, to me was very controversy and could have changed the game and would have not even, you know, sent this game to later OT. So that's my view on that. No, but I think he did get tripped. He got, He definitely got tripped. Um, I thought it was oh, a good come call. on, Jason. I, I don't I really think a that's a trip. Uh, he stuck his foot out. If, if what I know is a trip, that's a trip. But going back to what Jack said, with the ball touched out of bounds, that was great officiating by looking at the replay under two minutes. And now going to the Final Four game, what are your thoughts on that officiating? Uh, for me, the Auburn-Virginia game is definitely atrociously uh, officiated, especially considering – uh, the circumstances Auburn was under. I know that in real time it's tough to to tell, but you being the final four refs and you mi- being the highest crew in all of college basketball, and there's like 
over 300, 400 college basketball D1 uh, teams, you need to be able to make that call, even if it's a 50-50 call. And for them to miss that, and then the foul thing, and then the buzzer going off, it was insanity that should have just never happened. Uh, I mean, Auburn maybe got snubbed a little bit. Virginia did end up, uh, you know, being the better team overall, as it showed winning the national championship. But I think the refs definitely play a factor in that game. I don't have a lot of problems with the Texas-Michigan State game, especially it being a 10-point victory for Texas Tech. But the Auburn-Virginia game, I think there's some legitimate gripe for Auburn fans uh, with the last second uh, heave that became a foul, no double dribble. There's some legitimate gripe and, there. What about and you, wait, wait, before uh, Justin goes, the double dribble, Jack, there was a lot of controversy on that call, and it wasn't just that call. Because listening to ESPN, they were showing replays of um, Texas Tech's uh, – I think it was Jared Harper. I'm not sure who it was. He grabbed the jersey of – Ty, Ty Jerome, he grabbed his jersey, which kind of forced him to lose possession of the ball and dribble it off his foot and then pick it back up. Do you think the, the like, I don't, I'm not going to ask you think because it already happened and everything's done, but that could have caused, that could have been, that should have been called a foul. He grabbed his jersey, which should have been called a foul, which the double dribble never would have happened. So I'm on that side where it should have been called a foul, but the whole thing never would have turned out like that. And at the end, I definitely think it was a foul. He took away uh, Kyle Guy's landing spot, which is 100% a foul in my in my book. Justin, what are your thoughts on the officiating in the um, Final Four? Just to start, I was there. I was watching the game. And I'm going to have to take a big disagree with Jack on, you know, Virginia outplaying Auburn. For a point, Virginia was up by 10 with three to four minutes to go. And Auburn came back to be up by two. I think that this was Auburn's game, and I think that due to bad officiating, and to the best of my recollection, I don't think a ref could come from either the ACC or the SEC, and those are the best two conferences in college sports. So I think it was, I don't know, maybe getting a ref, even this may have been a problem, but I also really think that that's a really hard call to make, to make that uh, those three point, that three-point foul. I think they should start a thing where they should start going to the monitor, just making sure things are fouls, making sure his feet's not aligned because it's very, you know, easily tampered to make Auburn lose the game for me. Uh, so just asking Jason now, what are your views? If you, do you think that, let's say they called the foul two-point shot, do you think that would have really drastically changed the game? No, I think um, Virginia would have won that game. Overtime is Virginia's strength. And they would have shut Auburn down. They would have put them away. Virginia, as noted in the tournament, is a very clutch team when it comes down to crunch time. Their clutchness is what they strive for. They they push ahead with that clutchness. And this is what will boost them ahead into the championship game. Um, wrapping it up with a yes or no question. If this tournament, first starting with Jack, then I'll go to Justin, just simple yes or no if this tournament repeated itself again, uh, would this would this tournament be exciting to you? Would you want to watch this again? Yes or no, Jack? Uh, the second half of the tournament, most definitely. I think it was uh, the one of the most exciting second halves of tournament recent memory. The first half, you know, especially the first round, there weren't a lot of like you know eye popping games. Uh, there were a couple, with particularly the Auburn. Uh, New Mexico State game, but I think I would definitely want to hone in and uh, make sure for the uh, Sweet 16 on to be able to uh, put away free time, go on my couch, 
and watch uh, the uh, elite teams battle it out. But uh, uh, the first two rounds were pretty, you know, for uh, nothing special, pretty forgettable in my opinion. And uh, I, I, I certainly, uh, maybe it's because also my team wasn't in it, but I certainly wouldn't uh, partake in those. But the, definitely the final three, uh, three to four rounds, I would definitely watch. Justin, what about you? I'm going to have to take a pass on this one. I'm a big fan of that underdog upset team. For example, last year, Loyal of Chicago's Battle of the Final Four. That, to me, that's college basketball. That's March Madness. Teams that really, if you look at it, shouldn't be there, are there. And there weren't that this year. They just didn't have that. Like, there's not a team like Loyal of Chicago going deep. Looking at it before, you could have seen Belmont, maybe Buffalo, the big dark horse. But besides that, I didn't really see it. So I probably wouldn't have, I mean, I watched, but I may have, you know, watched a little less because it, it was just a top team battle. There were no upsets, no underdogs, uh, which really, you know, wasn't that interesting to me. Yeah, it's great to get your guys' opinion on this. Signing off from the Sports Boom, my name is Jason Yormack, alongside Jack Collins and Justin Hausman. Thank you for listening.